This is Josh Sumby, your local sales agronomist at Drayton, North Dakota. He wants to serve you for years to come. Have a safe harvest season. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Whitney Pittman in studio. We'll have updates from Randy Coonan at Potato Expo in Denver and Sierra Doctor at the Lake Region Extension Roundup in Devil's Lake. Senate Agriculture Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow does not plan to run for re-election in 2024. The Michigan lawmaker said she will be able to help guide passage of the next farm bill. Stabenow has chaired the Ag Committee from 2011 to 2015 and took the job over again in 2021. The chaos over the election of a Speaker of the House has made the headlines, but it has delayed committee appointments and staff assignments. Policy Solutions President Jay Truitt says agriculture has big issues on the docket. That list includes crop insurance and packer ownership of animals. We're going to see the the ideas of where we put our money between um, program dollars versus conservation dollars. The administration is still pushing their 30 by 30 plan. Well, they want to see 30 percent uh, of of the, the the possible territory parked off over into the side into conservation initiatives, and so those those things are are real philosophical battles. Each one of them. Truett expects these issues to be addressed within the context of the farm bill. There's some big subject matters that aren't just going to go away, and they're going to have to be battled out. And it will take uh, it'll take the whole the whole uh, physical year to get it done. USDA is providing new funding for the expansion of meat processing capacity. 16 states are receiving this money. The list does not include the Dakotas or Minnesota. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said this effort will make ag markets more accessible, fair, and competitive. Rabobank Vice President of Food and Agribusiness Research Steve Nicholson provided an economic outlook at Potato Expo. Red River Farm Network's Randy Conan has more. Steve, your your presentation at the uh, Potato Business Summit, uh, kind of eye-opening really, uh, I think, for people. To see the graphs and the charts yeah. that you have uh, really kind of makes it hit home. Um, talking about things on the horizon, uh, economic uh, concerns probably the number one thing sure no absolutely and though you know and as i said up front and we'll kind of kind of frame this is that you know agriculture we've been kind of left alone the last 20 30 years and government hasn't involved the economy has been fine and we've kind of got to do our own things and we get to watch the markets that tells what to do well now it's got a lot more complicated because you've got not only complicated markets but now you have this macro economics things that are coming in and and I think that's the thing that's the big change from where we've been and it, it's interesting you talk about some of you look at the charts and go ooh I mean I think of the money supply right off the bat and go well no wonder inflation's where it is when you have that much money in the system it's it's the classic inflation issue you have you have more buyers than sellers or more you know a lot of a lot of people chasing fewer goods and so it's the classic situation and you know you think about the inflation situation for those of us who have gray hair and remember the 70s and 80s this didn't go away fast and and granted it's we're not we're close to those levels um, this isn't probably likely to go away fast I hope I'm wrong about that but you know we're gonna have to deal with higher interest rates we're gonna have to hire and farmers know very well on the input side I don't care what crop it is they're going to, have to deal with higher input costs, but the good news is the market has rewarded them and given them opportunities to block in some margins. If we take advantage of it. Well, that's right. And this is the thing is, these look really great, but you've got to execute against that. And it's it's back to the old adage, 
understand your costs, understand where you can market and what are the margins and can you make that work? And if you can, you need to take that risk off the table now while you got a chance. Our reports from Potato Expo brought to you by the National Potato Council, Bayer Crop Science, Gowan USA, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, AMVAC, and Syngenta. We're here at Potato Expo for the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conant. North Dakota Seed Department Seed Potato Program Director Kent Sather oversees the Certified Seed Potato Program. That involves uh, a lot of documentation, field inspections, shipping point inspections as well, just to confirm that they meet our tolerances, uh, disease tolerances, grade tolerances for certified seed. While potato growers are concerned about disease issues, Sather says certified seed potato growers are held to a higher standard. Because if we do come across an issue, we end up rejecting a seed lot for certified seed and of course the value drops in for that lot but um, it's I, I think to to go into a certified seed program it does take a commitment it does take uh, uh, a little more emphasis in controlling what's happening within your program Choices remain for the farmers needing to lock in their seed order for 2023. Lee Dahl, who operates Northland Seed in service at Brockett, North Dakota, sees benefits for the different trait platforms. In our geography, typically we're in a lot of kosher country and Extend tends to still be a leader in uh, sales. Um, our, our overall sales is, is more Extend than it is Enlist, but there's more opportunity as far as looking at a trait platform uh, some guys that don't have canola in rotation are looking to get liberty in their rotation and control volunteer canola better and more efficiently. So they're looking at more of the enlist system. And uh, there are some guys that are going to stick with dicamba strictly because they've got some bad kosher problems. Dahl, who sells Pioneer Seed, said the breeding program is concentrated on the enlist platform. We look at the enlist being the leader genetics because... Uh, that's the way we are heading as a company and what we're looking at moving towards. So those genetics are only going to continue to improve in the future. So that's kind of our hot subject is, is uh, moving on our own business platforms to growers that we will work with closely to try and figure out what the latest best hybrids and varieties are to move forward with. But on the soybean side, it will be looking at Enlist Platform. Dahl is part of the trade show at the Lake Region Extension Roundup. A survey conducted by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers found 98% of respondents are still dealing with supply chain issues. Nearly 60% of the conditions are worse, said the conditions are worsening. Lead times have tripled since 2019. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. It's the second day of the Lake Region Extension Roundup. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor reports from Devil's Lake. I'm here with Erica Olson, North Dakota Wheat Commission Market Development and Research Manager here in Devil's Lake at the Lake Region Extension Roundup. Erica, let's talk about a little bit about your discussion on the wheat market issues. Um, so if we look at world supply and demand overall, I mean, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty comfortable. But when you start digging into the main exporting countries in the world, there are definitely some issues. So you have the Russia-Ukraine um, situation going on. You have Argentina, which had a drought. 
Um, you know, most of the other countries have fairly good production years, but over the past few years, we've tightened our supplies a little bit, and so there's definitely more attention paid to what's going on in the specific exporting countries. Digging into some of those countries, what's happening in Argentina right now, and how does their wheat affect the world supply? Um, so they're looking at a situation where they've had a severe drought, so their production um, is estimated to be about half of what it was a year ago. So obviously that's going to take a lot of their exportable supplies off of the market. Um, you know, it, it didn't have a huge impact on the market. Um, you know, worldwide they are one of the smaller producers, but a lot of their exports go right locally to South America, and so that might open export opportunities for the U.S. and other wheat exporters to fill that gap. Can you give us some insight into the wheat market for the coming year? <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to see kind of a continuation of 2022 where there's probably a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, it's really been being driven by a lot of those geopolitical type issues. But also more concerning here in the U.S., we have drought in the hard red winter wheat region. Um, you know, we got very dry up here last year. And so looking forward to the planting season, what type of weather are we going to have? What's going to get planted? Um, so I, I think there's still just going to be a lot of uncertainty. I think the market has quieted down a little bit now. There hasn't been a lot of new news or anything exciting. Um, so it's going to be important to just watch the progress um, of the different planting seasons. Thanks, Erica. That was Erica Olson, North Dakota Wheat Commission Market Development and Research Manager, reporting agriculture's business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. NDSU Benson County Extension Agent Scott Kanoki says water hemp and Palmer amaranth remain a concern in North Dakota. Water hemp is all over like 34 counties on the eastern half and water hemp, I mean Palmer has been showing up in over 19 counties kind of scattered here and there. In most populations it's been a few plants but some there's getting to be more seed than we like to see. And it's a, it's a real big issue, and it's going to be a, an economic uh, kick in the pants if, if this gets blown up and we can't control it because we've got herbicide resistance. And it's just a, a real challenge, and it just increased costs when you have to go after a tough one like either water hemp or Palmer amaranth. Kenoki says the lake region is known for water hemp because of the extra moisture in low areas. Some farmers have had success against these weeds. Well, we've had sites that had some in, and the guys have been really getting after it, getting a plan together, taking into consideration uh, rotations. And with that comes not only the crop, but also the herbicides that are used, and then going from to some shorter season crops where they don't have as long of a growing season to go ahead and make seed. Crops like corn and soybeans uh, mature quite late in the season, so they become a little bit more challenged but some folks have gained some real ground on it, whether it be some hand weeding in places when you just have a few. So it's going both ways, unfortunately the wrong way most of the time. There has been some minor adjustments to the drought monitor with the moisture in the west and southern plains. Exceptional drought conditions are still prevalent in portions of Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. USDA has approved a conditional license for the vaccination of honeybees against American fall brood disease. A biotech company, Dallin Animal Health, developed this vaccine which contains a killed whole cell bacteria and mixed with the queen feed that's consumed by the worker bees. 
The only treatment for American fall bread disease has been to burn the hive and beekeeping equipment to this point. North Dakota is ranked as the top honey-producing state in the country. Again, keep in mind, we'll have more coverage uh, continuing to the balance of this week from Potato Expo in Denver. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. An April blizzard across the northern plains was described as a calf-killing storm. That's the the number eight story of the year for the Red River Farm Network. Belfield, North Dakota rancher Byron Richard shared his experience. Everybody around here is kind of in the, right in the midst of their calving, so there was a fair amount of death loss. I would anticipate you're going to see a minimum of 10% maybe out there. Um, we had a group of our own cows actually got out on a dam, 16 of them, and fell through, so we lost them. Another producer I know by Richardson, he had 70 cows that went off to Hard River, and they got covered up, and slowly they lost 70 head out of that group. So when we were in the heart of that blizzard there, you just couldn't get them to go anywhere. I mean, we had a couple guys out on horseback, and they took them three hours to find their way back to the barn on a ride that normally takes an hour. The USDA Livestock Indemnity Program was made available to help compensate producers for a portion of their losses. The North Dakota Stockmen's Association and the North Dakota Stockmen's Foundation distributed nearly a quarter million dollars in aid through the Hope After Hailing Disaster Relief Program. Checking markets, we have Minneapolis wheat now six cents to the plus side, 909 and a half for March, July a nickel higher. Chicago wheat turning higher, one and three quarter better for March at 747 and a quarter. KC wheat down a quarter cent. March corn down three quarters of a cent at 653. New crop down two and three quarters. March soybeans down 12 at 1471 and a half. Live cattle futures, February two higher. 157.30, April down 22. Feeder cattle January down a buck 45, 183.77. Lean hogs February down a buck and a half, 82.57, the quote. And we've got the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average right now down 281 points. The uh, crude oil futures at 74.71, that's a gain of $1.87. Coming up next week, starting on Tuesday, small grain update meetings across Minnesota. The first session's Tuesday in Dilworth. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.